Welcome to Ancestor Activation. On this journey, we will explore what it means to activate your ancestral wisdom, the sacred DNA that lives within you, the tools to alchemy and ascension, and a platform where I invite divine souls to interview me and to be interviewed. With grace and with softness, Diodidia. Hola guys, welcome back to the Ancestral Activation Podcast with your host, Diodidia. So for today's episode, what was coming to me was to talk about my Kurdish identity, to talk about my ancestral roots, to talk about my upbringing as a Kurdish woman, and specifically just around that, my story about that, because I have many stories that I can share. There's My life goes so, so deep and beyond just being a Kurdish woman. But for this episode, I wanted to just make it about my ancestry, make it about the DNA that I have reincarnated as again and again and again you know this is not my first life as a Kurdish person so I think it's really important to talk about my ancestral roots because that's what this podcast is really about it's about activating it's about activating my ancestral roots and my ancestral wisdom and that goes beyond just being Kurdish by the way ancestral activation isn't just about um, your your actual physical biological um, DNA of your ethnicities or races it's about going farther back even to your star ancestors you know this is what ancestral activation is really about it's going back to before we were even on earth but that's for another episode (laughs) okay so for this one i wanted to yeah so i'll just share a little bit about my story so i was born in rojalat kurdistan um also known as northwest iran And I was, I think, about a month or two months old when I left Iran. And then I moved to Turkey for seven months, I think. Um, And then from there, at nine months old, I immigrated to Canada. And that's where I was raised. I was raised in Vancouver, Canada, my whole life before moving to Costa Rica. (laughs) So, yeah, I was raised in Canada. And when I... When I was raised in Canada, I my parents never taught me anything about the Kurdish history, about the Kurdish struggle, about the freedom movement, about anything. I didn't know the term Kurdistan even existed until I was nine, nine years old. And this makes me emotional always, like, because... Like when when you start to learn the history of Kurdistan, it gets really, really deep. Um... And so I'm going to share about this this really deep journey that I went on with my identity as a Kurdish person and how I've shifted it into this really beautiful outlook that I have now, like perspective, like, oh my God, I'm already emotional, but <laughs> I'm just emotional today, okay? I did ayahuasca two days ago. Um, and that's for another episode I'll get into. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so I was nine years old the first time I heard the word Kurdistan, and I was with my best friend's family and her parents, her father is like very, very politically active in, in Kurdistan movement, and I remember I asked them questions, and I said, what is Kurdistan? <laughs> so I was literally like, where is that? I'm like, what is that? And I remember them just like laughing, like they just laughed, and I was just like, I didn't even care that they were laughing, I was just, I was just so curious, I'm like, what is this place I've never heard of in my life? And so... 
yeah, I just remember them like, and then they told me, they said, you know, they told me where it was and they explained, you know, a little bit about it. And I, it just got me really curious ever since. And I was like, okay, cool. Like that's, that's pretty cool. And I remember actually saying, I'm like, is it in Iran? <laughs> like, where's Kurdistan? Is it in Iran? Um, and then uh, that's when my best friend, she, and I think it was her, her parents, they gave both of us a necklace. And the necklace was um, the Kurdistan map. It was the Kurdistan um, ge- geographical like location, the, the outline, the outline of the state of all four um, occupied states. So... That was the first time I received anything that was Kurdish, like Kurdistan Kurdish. You know what I mean? I had Kurdish dresses and I, I grew up with Kurdish music all the time. When I was a kid, I loved Kurdish music. And there's this one singer that keeps coming to me that I cannot remember the name of. And my parents don't even remember it. And I'm like, I was obsessed with this one Kurdish singer. She was a woman and I just remember listening to her music all the time but I just I can't I still can't remember what it was and I can't find it but so if anyone can find me some like a nice traditional music maybe maybe I'll remember um but anyways so so yeah that was the first time I received a Kurdistan necklace with the Kurdistan state and it had the colors on it of the flag and it was really beautiful and I still have it to this day it was really really special moment for me And then, you know, life goes on. I still didn't know anything about, I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know anything about the history. And I'm, and this is so powerful in my contract, in my soul contract of why I was given um, my my parent portals, why my father, why my daya, why my baba did not tell me anything about the history. It was was a very specific contract that was given to not be raised as a child to know the suffering because as a child, when you go through trauma, it's really, really ingrained in you, right? So I think it was very divine how I was given parents that were not political anymore. I was given parents, you know, I mean, my my father was Peshmerga, like he you know (laughs) makes me emotional as well like he was a freedom fighter you know my cousins were freedom fighters um it go you know it goes really really deep and far back but when they moved to Canada they decided um to live in peace they decided no more suffering they decided my children are not going to go through the suffering that I went through and I'm so grateful for that I'm so grateful that they didn't raise me in fear they didn't raise me to say, look at our motherland, it's it's dying, it's it's in war, it's in, you know, they didn't raise me with fear. They raised me with love. And I think that's why, like, I'm so grateful. <laughs> they raised me with love. And that's the love that that really has been held in me because of my father, because of my mother for raising me truly with love and did I go through my childhood trauma with them obviously (laughs) did I go through the emotional abuse and the physical once in a while obviously I'm Kurdish (laughs) but to not be raised with the political trauma and fear and the the country of you know the the war to not be raised with those with those fears as a child was really powerful because I remember going to a protest for the first time I was 20 years old oh dog is coming Gula I always call her Gula it's my neighbor's dog um 
I was 20 years old when I went to a Kurdish protest for the first time. And it was the first time I started getting really political about Kurdistan. It was the first time I studied the history about Kurdistan. Hi, Gula. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> Hi, baby. Not right now. No, no, no. Um, it was the first time I went to a protest. And I remember seeing all these kids, like really young kids, like you know, under 10 years old, and it just uh, just kids of all ages at these protests. And I remember them, like, there was, I, I, I swear, I'm trying to remember if this was true or not, but there was a Turkish, oh no, I think this was a video I saw online of kids stepping on a Turkish flag, you know, the flag of Turkey, and it made me hurt. It made me really sad to see how much hate is brought up in these children because they're raised to believe in the divide turkey versus kurdistan this versus that you know and that's what the system wants the system wants us to be in divide the system wants us to be in divide divide and conquer that's that's literally what it is you know it wasn't until I moved to Costa Rica where I could actually look at a Turkish flag without getting triggered. That's how deep I was in the politics, y'all. Like, and that's that's something I'm for sure gonna get into in this episode. Like, oh man, where was I? So, <laughs> so yeah, I grew up. I'm very grateful. I grew up not knowing, you know, the history, and then. You know, I lived my life, I lived my traumas, and that's for another episode to talk about my actual personal life. But this one is just specifically about my Kurdish identity because it played a really pivotal role in my healing and why I moved to Costa Rica and why I'm doing the work that I do now, every part of me. Um, it, it, You know, I really honor my land. I really honor my motherland, and I honor all of Mother Earth and everybody, regardless if you're Kurdish or not, whatever you are. Um, but I believe it's because of me reincarnating as a Kurdish person again and again has really given me these gifts, this ancestral power and wisdom that I have. So I, yeah, so again, I lived my life and then I was, I was 20 years old when I started. It was the, when I was in my counseling program, I studied counseling in school. Um, we started getting into like family lineages and like learning about like what did your mother go through? What did your parents go through? And we were learning about epigenetics because epigenetics this is science. It's really basic science that in our DNA we hold, you know, up to 10, if not more, all of our lineage. Are you kidding? Um, in our DNA, we hold the trauma from all the ancestors that goes back, from all our lineage that goes back. So everything my mother experienced, I experienced. Everything my grandmother experienced, I experienced. And so it literally goes so far back, you know, because I was in the womb of my mother's womb and the womb of my grandma, you know, like what I mean, like with the egg that we were in and that, that's just biological, biologically speaking, when we think of it from the soul aspect, we are all of our ancestors, so we experienced everything our ancestors went through. So there's a lot of trauma. <laughs> there's a lot of things that are stored in our cellular memory, in our DNA. And so I just thought that was kind of where I started exploring it, and I just started exploring 
I'm like, what did my parents go through? You know, because I I didn't know anything about my parents' lives. I, di- I grew up not knowing anything about how they grew up. You know what I mean? Like, they just immigrated to Canada and, like, that was it. <laughs> like, that's, I didn't know anything. And so I remember I started asking the hard questions. I remember sitting in my living room with my with my dad and with my mom, with my daya and my baba. <laughs> and I just asked them, I'm like, tell me about your life. And, you know, I remember, I think that was the first time, I think I knew that my father was, yeah, I remember being a kid and I knew my father, like, fought in the war. But I didn't know he was a freedom fighter. I didn't know it was for Kurdistan. I just knew he was in the military. You know, like, that's all I knew when I was a child, I remember. Yeah, I remember that that really deeply. Um, But I then... But it didn't ever click for me that he was a freedom fighter. He was Peshmerga. And then he remember he told me that day when I was asking these questions. He's like, yeah, I was Peshmerga. And then I was just like, oh, my God. I just remember being, like, so emotional about all of this. I was like, what? And then, like, just started telling me all these things. And I'm like, what? Like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, why did nobody tell me all these things? And... And they're like, for what? Like, for what? Why would I tell you these things? You know, why would I put you through suffering? Because I experienced so much suffering. Why would I put you through that? And I'm like, well, because I want to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and again, like I explained before, I'm grateful for it. Um, so then I started to do my own research. That's when I really started to just research everything. Actually, no, I think it was... Yeah, no, I did start to research a little bit, like getting into Kurdish culture. I think that's when I started following a lot of Kurds, like on Instagram and stuff. I was getting really involved in the Swana community, in the Middle Eastern community. And learning all aspects of it, not just for Kurdistan, like for Palestine, for for everything. I was learning everything, you know, that I that I needed to learn at that time. It was part of my contract, <laughs> very specifically. And that's when, you know, it was 2019, that's when the whole, oh my god, it was so big in the media, and you guys, anything that goes mainstream in the media is just an obvious, obvious factor that is trying to make you, put you in fear. It's trying to put you in a very low vibrational state so that you stay unhealthy, so that you stay suffering. And I remember it was the first time it was the first time Kurds were so united, so that was pretty cool. It was when the whole Donald Trump thing happened, and you know, it was they took um, they took the military out of Rojava. I think that's it was something about Rojava. It was like the biggest, biggest protests that were happening. It was on the news. It was like it was really big, and I remember that's when it like it got me really riled up. I was like oh my god you know like I just there was so much happening and I could feel and every single person who was posting on Instagram stories and getting so riled up about it and now when I look back at that you know it was just it's such a big game all of it and you know it's it's so sad to say okay I don't know where I left off but I was talking about the protests and it was I remember it was just such a time where everybody was getting so riled up about it and it was the first time it was on mainstream news and like i was saying like anything that goes on the mainstream media is is propaganda to put you in fear it's propaganda to create more of a divide you know it was the first time where i was feeling a divide from 
you know, because I was learning about the history and I was learning about, you know, Turkey and all these things that, and that's what the system does. It makes you want to hate the other side, hate the other party. But the truth is, all governments are working together, (laughs) y'all. All governments don't even exist anymore, first of all. Um, so it's like, you just, yeah, the, it's just so deep that, you know, and and that's why I'm here to talk about this because I was deep into the politics y'all. Okay. So after this protest, um, you know, I got all my Kurdistan tattoos. I got Biji Kurdistan tattooed. I got Azadi tattooed. I have the Kurdistan, um, state tattooed. Like I got, I was in it, you know, and I don't regret any of it, obviously. But, um, yeah, so I went to protest, I was really involved, and then, God, what happened, and then 2020 happened, you know, and 2020 was, was 2020, right, and that's when I started, yeah, okay, this is, this is how I got deep into the politics, this is how I got deep into the Kurdish politics, I wasn't even planning to get into it, okay, it was really, and I think this is also pretty divine in the in my contract of how this like all happened without me really even trying. Um, it was 2020, summer 2020, when I started making Kurdish TikToks. You guys might remember me. And then I was making a lot of Kurdish TikToks just for fun. Literally, like it just started out as this thing, like, I'm just going to make TikToks for fun. I'm going to have fun. It's going to be hilarious. And it was, it was really fun at first. And then I started getting like, all these hate comments from you know from turks from whatever just a bunch of like racist people you know i'm i'm like quoting racist because like racism doesn't even exist like y'all it's just such a system (laughs) um but yeah i started getting all these like hate comments and i was just like huh like why I'm like, why? Why are Turkish people coming at me? Like, I didn't understand. You know, why are people telling me that Kurdistan doesn't exist? And like, well, like, you know, all these things were coming at me and I didn't I didn't understand it at all because that it was. Yeah, it wasn't until then I started studying the history. That's that's when I started. So, yeah, I started like going into it. And every time people would comment something, I would respond. I would I would start, you know, because I wasn't someone at the time that would just let people, you know, say things on my page without you know getting a response so I started responding because you know you can respond with video on TikTok to comments and I would respond to like pretty much like all of them all the time and that's when it started to get like really deep and I went through I literally call it mania I was manic I got manic into the politics to the point where I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. Oh my God, you guys, I just remembered this for I literally up until I came to Costa Rica. <laughs> Everything is up until I came to Costa Rica. I swear the amount of things I healed when I got here, you guys, like I dissolved that old identity. I dissolved those timelines. That person doesn't even exist anymore. That person that I was who all of it, my old identity, it's not even me. Genuinely, it's not even me. It's so wild to even talk about it. Um, but yeah, I was so manic for literally up until I came to Costa Rica. So for what, like two years, a year and a half, I was planning to come go to Rojava. You know, at one point I was planning to like go and fight. 
<laughs> I'm not even joking. Like I was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go learn. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go be with the freedom fighters, YPJ, YPG, whatever it was. Um, I sent emails. I got emails back. I was, I did an interview. Like I was, I was ready to go. I don't, <laughs> and it sounds crazy now that I look back at it because it is crazy. Anybody who is at the point of risking their entire life to war is not okay. (laughs) Like, and this is not to put down, you know, any of the freedom fighters or anything like that. You know, like, thank you, like, busy, head busy, Pishmet gut. Like, you know what I mean? Like, head busy. Um, And my heart is so, so full for all the freedom fighters, for everybody doing their part of what they think is best. You know, I'm not here to shame it at all. But when you when you understand the human game to a point that is beyond this physical reality, this physical existence, because this isn't just a game, this is just a video game. War just feeds more war. Fear just feeds more fear. Suffering just feeds more suffering. So... You know, and I understand, like, Rojava, whatever, like, they got to protect themselves. Like, it's just literally them surviving, you know? So I'm not saying at all they should just stop protecting themselves. That's not at all what I'm saying. But for myself, as a, as a woman who was raised in Canada with the privilege and the opportunity to be with myself, you know, like, like coming to Costa Rica and healing myself, that will do so much more than me just going into the military and going and just shooting a gun and killing someone you know what I mean that I have more of the opportunity because I have the freedom I have the azadi to choose some people don't in this life and I completely understand that and I understand that's part of their contract it's part of their soul contract to go through what their soul needs to go through in order to reincarnate back into this life to back back into earth so that they will have a life of freedom they will have a life of choice you know it's like to the human 3d-ness it's sad it's sad to say people will suffer people are going through war people are going through suffering just just to put it blankly suffering but again, you have to understand it's part of their contract. And it's wild to say that, isn't it? Isn't it crazy? I know. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, I have so many goosebumps just talking about this. It's because when you understand this, again, this is just a video game that we're living. This is just a projection of our consciousness. And when we have the opportunity and the privilege, again, to be aware, to consciously choose, um, freedom then that's what we are here to create we have the responsibility to heal myself so that I can heal my bloodline so that my children don't go through suffering so that my my next generation the humanity's next generation doesn't go through suffering so where was I I wanted to go to Rojava. <laughs> it was genuinely such a dream. You know, it was, I I still stand for everything that Rojava stands for. It's so feminist. It's so, oh my gosh, like it's genuinely such a beautiful movement and I stand for it to this day. And I always send so much love to, to that land all the time. 
and I will go one day. I know 100% I will. And I'll do my part of what I can do in providing, you know, my service to humanity. And I will do that in Rojava. I will do that in Kurdistan. No doubt about it. Um, but I had to do my work first. I had to come to Costa Rica to hold my ground space so that people can come here to me, can come to Costa Rica as well to really ground into what it means to heal yourself and what it means to truly, you know, if you want to look at it from an ancestral perspective or um, honoring your Kurdish ancestors, honoring your Kurdish identity, honoring yourself at the end of the day. <clears throat> at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. It's honoring yourself. <laughs> and the dogs are barking. <laughs> so, yeah, so I went through because of TikTok and you know, I'm not blaming TikTok or anything. I'm not blaming anybody who, you know, gave me hate comments again because everything is a projection of our consciousness. So when I'm receiving hate comments, when I'm receiving whatever I'm receiving and anything that triggers me is mine. At the end of the day, anything that triggers me is mine. So here I am getting triggered by people, you know, calling me out for whatever about Kurdistan and all these things. And yeah, so that's when I got really, really deep into the politics and I was so manic in it. I Yeah, like I said, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating and it was so deep. And I remember feeling like the trauma, like I could feel the the depths of like in my entire body, you know, and I think that's why I had to go through that mania. I had to go through that political route so that it could completely wake me up because that's what it did. It essentially woke up my entire body. It woke up the trauma that was locked in my body because we hold our ancestral trauma, right? And it's because I went, I did, I did have a past life who, who went through war. I did have another life um, where I experienced the war. I experienced the suffering, even though I was in this life, I was raised in Canada and all in peace. That's why it triggered me so much. And that's why for anybody, for any Kurd, for, for anybody at all who gets triggered um, by seeing war, by seeing um, somebody else in distress, it's because you were there. <laughs> you've been in distress, you've been in war before. Um, so specifically speaking to Kurds, I know this is such a such an emotional topic to talk about and that's why I'm so dedicated to Kurdiyati ceremonies that I hold to truly bring the community together to heal our bloodlines, to heal our ancestors so that we can stop this this cycle of suffering because that's what it is. It's a karmic cycle that we keep repeating again and again. And what we're doing when we are watching the news and we're watching our people suffer, you know, I don't look at the news anymore. I don't I don't want to know anything that's happening because I know there's suffering. There's going to be suffering no matter what. It's again, it's where we put our consciousness towards. If I am watching the news and I am watching suffering, I'm creating more of it. That's literally how this game works. Everything is our consciousness. So again, I had to go through that really dark, dark route of suffering and suffering. And like, you know, if, if people, if you know me, if you were on my Instagram, you saw the stories I was posting. You saw me crying on the internet all the time. Like you saw how deep I was in it. Um, yeah, so I was really deep in it. And 
you know, after I'm trying to remember where the story goes after that, you know, really, really manic about it. And, you know, this was, oh yeah, so it was, when did I change my name? So my name has uh, is a really special part of this. Oh my God, when was it? It was 20, yeah, it was 2020. Yeah, it was right before I went really manic. Um, I was exploring my name. So I can talk about this a little bit because this is really special as well. Um, that I don't regret at all because I started to when I was when I first started getting into the history of Kurdistan and just learning about Kurdish you know culture and all of it um, I started reflecting on my name I'm like why is you know so my my legal name is spelled D-A-R-I-A and you know I've always been called Didia by my family I've always been Didia by by my my family um, but being raised in Canada I was called Daria and then and when I was like eight years old people started calling me Daria so for many many years I was Daria and then I was Daria and like it sounds so I'm like that person that name does not even exist anymore in my reality I'm like I've always been Daria <laughs> But it's so interesting to think that I was once called that, you know, but it doesn't exist anymore. But anyways, um, that's what I started reflecting on mostly. I'm like, like, what is my, I'm not Daria. Who is Daria? Who is Daria? Like, what, what are these names, you know? And then my parents would call me Didia, right? And it started getting into this place of like, you know, getting into immigration trauma. You know, when you are an immigrant, when you move countries, when you have to assimilate to the white culture, to the Canadian culture, the American culture, and because you assume that people will not be able to pronounce Didia or whatever your ethnic name is, you know, so that was really deep in where I went to with my Kurdish identity, myself as a Kurdish person, um, I didn't understand why I had to not call myself Didia and not introduce myself as Didia just because I lived in a, Khmer- a Canadian Khmerican. I was going to say American and then Khmerican in a Khmerican society, <laughs> Canadian American society. Um, like, why would they not be able to call me Didia? Are you kidding me? Like, the whitest people here in Costa Rica can call me Didia, okay? So, I don't want to hear anybody say that they can't pronounce it. It's just ridiculous. Um, but it's this whole idea of you think you have to assimilate. You think you have to change who you are when you immigrate to a different country. And it's just not true. You think that you're two different identities because you moved countries. Like, I'm Canadian and I'm Kurdish. Who am I? You know, I went through that for a long time of like, who am I? What is my identity? You know, I'm, I'm crossed between these two cultures. And it's like we get ourselves wrapped in these cycles of just giving ourselves reasons to suffer honestly that's really what it is like we're just giving ourselves excuses and reasons to suffer when we don't have to you know i can be kurdish i can be canadian i can be living on the land of costa rica like i can be whatever i want and i am one 100 whole person you know i'm not half of something i'm not less of something i'm not i'm not less kurdish because i'm not living in kurdistan i'm not even if you don't speak the Kurdish language, alhamdulillah, I do. I don't know why. I'm hanging out with an Arab girl, okay? Um, <laughs> I do speak Kurdish, but even if I, if I didn't speak Kurdish, it wouldn't make me less Kurdish, you know? And it's just all these labels and things that we attach ourselves to. It's just not real. 
Okay, at the end of the day, I'm just a soul. Okay, living this human game, having this human experience. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, my name. So then I ended up, you know, researching what was the purest. I I wanted my Kurdish name, you know, I wanted the Kurdish spelling. So I was like, going so deep into the research to find the correct spelling of Deria. And because a lot of Kurds are in Iran, um, they're given the name Deria with with the A, -A D-A-R-Y-A. So I already knew that my name was supposed to have a Y. That was obvious. Um, But it still didn't make sense because Daria spelt like that is Daria, obviously. It's Persian. And at that time, again, being so like, I don't want to assimilate to Iranian culture. I don't want to assimilate to anything. I just wanted to be Kurdish. And this was back then. And again, I don't regret it. Like I said, um, I love my name, Dedia now. I love it with an E. It's so beautiful and magical. Oh, like, <laughs> it makes me really happy just thinking about it. Because for a long time, I actually didn't like it. I, I changed my name to Dedia, but I was still like... I don't like it. You know, I think I had this resistance towards it because I was doing it for Kurdistan and I was doing it for my Kurdish identity and I was doing it as a political resistance and a political act and and an an act of freedom. Um, But I think, again, moving to Costa Rica, everything comes back to me moving to Costa Rica. It's not even moving to Costa Rica. It's me choosing and healing myself. I can now look at my name and I actually love it. And I'm like, I would not change this for anything. Um, You know, I have, I think I have like so many names at the same time, right? Because we have our past life names and we have, anyways. (laughs) So I ended up changing my name. So now it's spelled D-E-R-Y-A, as you see now as Diadedia. So that was really special for me. But even until again, moving to Costa Rica, I was still too embarrassed to ask people to pronounce it as Deria. So some people started calling me Daria. <laughs> I went from Daria to Daria, back to, da- to back to Daria. And I didn't like that. I really didn't like it. But I was like, eh, whatever, maybe, maybe this is the path, you know? Yeah, so for me, it was really special to start calling myself Deria. Um, and when I did move to Costa Rica five months ago, I was finally being called Dedia everywhere. I would introduce myself as Dedia, like I introduce myself as Dedia now. And it's so powerful. It's so powerful to own your own name, to, you know, and even if you change your name to something completely different that has nothing to do with your ethnic roots, like who cares? It's just so powerful to choose your own name, to claim your own name back, to claim your own power back, because our name is who we are. Our name is literally like every part of us. It, it's it's our brand. It's who we who we are. Who we who we show up. Who we sh- how how we show up to the world. You know, and why I call myself Daya Didia now is because Daya means mother. So mother Didia, mother ocean. Didia means ocean. This is why I love my name as well. Because I, I, my highest timeline is being a mother. I, I know that my highest timeline is being a mother, whether it's to my past life children who are currently alive or a mother to my future children to come or a mother to humanity, to earth, to my clients, to, to everything. I'm, I'm a mother to this earth. That's, that's what I am. That's what every woman is, if you so choose. Um, and I think 
myself personally that's the most powerful role i can take as a woman on this on this earth is a mother there's nothing more powerful being a daya is so powerful you know what i mean like nobody can can (laughs) can fight against and debate against that anyways so went through the process of changing my name that was amazing that was life-changing for me very pivotal moment for me i think it was before my 21st birthday wow no 22nd 2020 it was in 2020 I'm turning, I don't know, before my 21st or 22nd, I don't even know. 27? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, so I went through that, and then that's when I went through my mania. Um, and after, like, going really, really deep into the mania, like I said, like, even for Armenia, I just remembered for, for Armenia, I was really, really passionate about um, for them as well, because... I mean, because our, our, our trauma is so similar, you know, everything that we go through is so very connected. Um, so I just went through all of it. I went through, I went to all the protests. I did all the things. I did all the social media activism. And I was literally like, I felt like I was dead. I was so in, in so much pain, so much pain because I literally activated right I activated all that cellular memory of myself as my ancestors lives going through that trauma by re-experiencing it and re-traumatizing myself but again I had to go through that in order to heal I had to bring up all the darkness within me and this is what my actually my first ayahuasca experience which was five months ago is when I first came to Costa Rica it was all ancestral all of it it's like i i went through all of that re-traumatizing of myself so that i could go into ayahuasca and heal all of it and that's what i did i purged it all i healed it all i saw the wars i saw the blood i saw everything and then i was good you know i was like cool i'm healed (laughs) i healed that part of my darkness now what's next you know there's always more and that's the thing in order to be so powerful in order to be in such love in such light you have to bring up the deepest darkest traumas within your cellular memory within your body within your dna the emotions that we store in our body um and it's endless truly it's endless as long as we live this human experience we are continuing to heal you know does it get easier kind of yes it's easier to be more of the observer and that's what makes things easier the more you are conscious the more you are observing your thoughts the more you are calm and this is the thing i will say to anybody who's in you know kurdish freedom fighting or political activism of any sort the greatest change you can make to humanity is coming from a state of calmness because everything is frequency So when we are in a state of frequency that is love, that is light, that is calm and relaxation, we can get more work done, we can get more activism done, we can get more healing done than we ever could. Because when we're in a state of anger, when we're in a state of anger and fear and suffering, we're in a state of panic. Our body's in panic. Our body is in survival mode. We're not able to... um, get the things that we actually want to get done and 
On the other side, the most powerful thing you could do as a Kurdish person, as any person wanting to heal their ancestors, wanting to heal their motherland currently, <clears throat> is by choosing healing now, is by choosing yourself first. This is why I took the path that I'm on right now, being in Costa Rica, choosing myself 100%, being away from my family, from my loved ones, from my friends, from my relationships. I had to isolate from all the distractions so that I could be 100% dedicated to the path that I'm on. You know, there's lots of spiritual gurus out there and people who talk the talk but to truly walk the walk it's a every moment dedication and commitment it's committing to being of service in every moment and being of service in every moment is being of service to yourself in every moment it goes hand in hand the more i'm able to give to myself the more i'm able to give to others and because we are all energy, and I talk about this a lot, we are just an energetic circuit. Humans are just one big energetic circuit. Everything that I heal within myself, my energy field, it makes the ripple effect. It's healing you. It's healing my parents. It's healing my bloodline. That, because that's how connected we are. The illusion that we are separate is an illusion. It's not real. The true reality, the truth is we are all one. We are one conscious being. We are all connected. I'm not separate from you. I'm not separate from anything, from the plants, the animals, the trees. I'm not separate from a Turkish person, you know? And it's such a gift to be able to view everything in the lens of love and compassion. And that's what being a Kurdish woman has taught me. Being a Kurdish woman who was in so much fear, in so much suffering, in war, in everything you could imagine my past lives have gone through. I've gone through many lives of fear and suffering. That's what the gift is now, is that I can choose to see all these things in the lens of compassion and love. And I learned that from giving myself compassion and love first, you know, like like I said, I wasn't able to look at a Turkish flag without getting triggered. And that really tells you something because, every, like I said, our triggers are ours. Our triggers are our own. And if I can't look at a flag, a piece of paper, picture, a color, a symbol, like it's not even real, you know? So we have to really dismantle these beliefs of separation political separation you know we have to understand that you know and this is a really deep topic that i probably have to explain further in another episode because politics isn't real it's a big game it's a big war on consciousness to make us want to be in fear and suffering it's to make us choose a side but when we understand when we wake up we understand that we're all one we understand that it's the elites, it's the governments, it's whatever that are actually against us. And that's um, why we have to claim self-love back and why we have to claim awakening our consciousness. Because the higher frequency we vibrate at, we, we operate at, the elites, which is all run by artificial intelligence, AI. You know, you guys should really watch the Matrix movie. It's real. <laughs> it's a documentary about this life. 
um, the more higher frequency we're at, the frequency of the elites will be dismantled. They will literally not exist anymore if we do not feed them the power anymore. This is how powerful humans are. We don't even realize that's how powerful we are. Can you imagine, like just for a moment, that if you stopped feeding into the news, if you stopped feeding into the fear, that it would be all gone? Yeah, literally. And this is what entering the 5D new earth is about. It's about no longer feeding into the 3D matrix system. It's about no longer believing or even giving it attention anymore. It doesn't exist. Fear doesn't exist. And so I think that's it for this episode today. Um, I just, oh man, (laughs) I'm so grateful if you're here and you listen to this episode. Thank you. I have so much love for Kurdistan. Biji biji Kurdistan. Biji biji Mother Earth, Mother Tata. <laughs> Did you know New York's name is Tata, <laughs> which is a Kurdish name for Light of the Soul? Come on, guys, we're so powerful. <laughs> no, but everyone is. Um, and thank you so much for listening. I also wanted to mention, like, when I started healing myself, I started to remember Kurdish like so much more than I ever had before it was so weird like literally I'm not even weird like I wasn't even surprised because everything is when we heal our when we heal ourselves we heal our brain and when we heal our brain we have memories that unlock so my Kurdish became like so much better like I was like speaking fluently with my cousins and with my um my aunts and my uncles and stuff it was amazing anyways um yeah that's just another little uh why you should heal <laughs> um but yeah if you want to be part of my kurdiati ceremonies send me an email for any of my services you can send me an email or go check out my website follow me on instagram at daya.dedia um let me know in the comments here or send me a dm of what you'd like to see more any questions you have of what you'd like me to cover um and yeah if you want to book a session with me a healing session a guidance coaching session Um, I'd be honored to hold space for you in in my magical energy vortex of where I'm at. And yeah, I love y'all so much. Thank you for listening or for watching and I'll see you next time. Ciao.